0: Hello and welcome to this week's Art Dirt Podcast, a podcast where we at Glass Tire talk about topical art topics. I am Brandon Zek this week and I am here with another guest host. He joined us for the top five last week and he's on our podcast this week.
1: Hey guys, my name is Seth Mittag and I am the programmer for Glass Tire and I'm happy to be here this morning.
0: So Seth is, uh, as he said, Glass Tire's programmer. He's also an artist. For a long time, he was based in Houston. Now, not anymore, but he still, of course, has all of those Texas connections. And on this podcast, we're going to be talking about the Glass Tire Data Hack, which is an event that happened uh, last weekend at Rice University. So the data hack, I'll, I'll give a little bit of a brief uh, about it and we'll talk about some of the findings from it but also we're just going to talk about programming in general and how that's a cool thing for artists to be able to know how to do and all the great things that you can do with that but before that uh so the glass Hair data hack was uh made possible by a grant that Glass received from the Houston Endowment. And part of that grant was looking at how we at Glass use technology. And Glass being an online publication that's been around since 2001, you know, we think of ourselves as an art publication, but in some ways we really are a technology company, um, Because we were an early adapter of the internet and we have only been online, we've never had a print publication, so we were thinking about all of this data that we've accumulated over our history. Of course, we have a bunch of articles and uh, news stories and all of those, but we also have a really robust, uh, as many of you, our listeners know, uh, a robust section of event listings all across Texas. So we were thinking about all this data and that we've collected it and it's been all manually and lovingly entered into our website. So we have this database essentially of Houston art events. So, you know, artist talks, exhibitions, book signings, all of those kinds of things, but also a, a an amazingly robust data set of event venues, art event venues. Everything from uh, places like the Museum of Fine Arts Houston to the Menil to galleries in Houston to nonprofit spaces To house spaces and places that have kind of only held one pop up event over the past 12 years since we started collecting this data. So, we were thinking about how we could use that and we wanted to make it open source in a sense and open it up to uh, people that could really use that data and use everything we had connected to visualize and be able to conclude or at least look at the state of the art in Houston. You know, when. Uh, What are years that events rise and fell in their total numbers? Do more events happen on Fridays, Saturdays, or Thursdays? You know, basic things like that, but also looking at um, our data set in comparison to other data sets, you know, maybe anything on socioeconomic uh, values or looking at events by zip code or, you know, does it correlate with any weather patterns, hurricanes, all of those kinds of things. And Seth, I know you have a little info about why something like this actually is cool or interesting too.
1: Well for 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 the data side, it's really interesting to have, you know, 10 plus years of information about the art events in Houston. So we have a very specific set. So that in and of itself is just really interesting. Um, we, it's, it's, it's basically recording all of the artists that we've had submit events to our site. And then we can we can look at which venues they've had shows at, you know, we can look at like what other places they've had shows. And then in a way, it's just like a history of, of all the art events in Houston. The other thing that's cool is with that, we can uh, compare it to other data sets, like let's say uh, the census data in various uh, area codes. We could uh, compare it to how much money is made in that area code. What are housing values? What does it do to the economical, economic impact of, of having uh, art events in certain areas?
0: Things like that. And all of this is kind of based around the fact that all of our data points, all of our event venues have, of course, because they're addresses, they have latitude and longitudinal coordinates associated with them. And I know some of the artists or the art people in our audience, maybe like myself when we kind of first started talking about throwing an event like this, It's a little bit of a foreign language, and I know this, but this is also very much um, a direction that a lot of things are going with art and science. And, you know, there are a number of artists that use programming in their work and that You know, to varying degrees of uh, success, but also just kind of intensity, incorporate the art data side. Because once you start to dig into it a little bit, because, you know, one of our hopes for this past data hack and also for future data hacks is to have an artist involvement, because this is a data set that many of us in the art world know intimately. We know the venues, we know what they do, we know where they are, um, and we know maybe an interesting inclusion that could be drawn from looking at some of this information, but we might not know how to do that thing or make that conclusion appear on a computer screen. So I think that's, that's where a lot of kind of the art component of this and where our audience, you who are listening, our primary audience who have an interest in art um, across Texas, can really focus your energies or can really think about something like this.
1: Right, Brandon, Um, for me, and and I I said this at the data DataHack to to the audience, which was primarily data scientists, but what I wanted to try to get across was, uh, it's very valuable to have an artist on your team, and not for the most obvious thing that the data people were thinking. Like, I think in their mind, they're like, yeah, that would be great to have an artist to sort of tell me what color to use, or what, you know, how it should visually be laid out, uh, what, what. What would be a good proportion some of the sort of formal qualities of art but for me it's actually the kind of questions that artists bring you know um for instance like what would this here's a weird one what would this data sound like or you know um how can we look at this this data and visualize what it looks like other than a graph or a chart things like that and The other thing I said was like, artists do this all day long. They take complicated information and they essentially visualize it. So it really makes sense to me that you would have an artist uh, working with you in, in, in data science as well. And then for the artists, like why would they ever want to participate in something like this? Well, I would say that any kind of medium that you try out is valuable for your practice. And why not programming? Um, I can think of a really good artist you could look at right now. Jennifer Steinkamp. Her work is programmed. It uses code. And there are a lot of other artists that are just like this. Um, It may not be totally obvious, but if you start digging, you'll see that a lot of artists are doing things like creating poetry with with programming language, writing novels. What does it mean to have a computer write a novel? What does it mean to have a computer make art? Um, So... I, I promise you if you dig a little bit, you'll find um, lots of different examples And so this is what's really exciting for me is having you know a data set that our artists in Houston know and giving them a chance to work with uh, programmers.
0: Yeah, and this of course, everything Seth you're talking about fits into the increased I know I mentioned it earlier, but digging a little deeper into it uh, it fits in with the increased, confluence of art and science like places like the moody center for the arts in houston um also the incorporation of kind of larger scale interactive art type exhibitions and events into science museums and also i mean some of the some of the larger scale museums and uh maybe more family friendly type uh installations that happen you know like thinking about like kusama or pipalati wrist all of those all of those pieces are light based and there has to be something controlling the lights and that's probably some sort of code going along with the video work so this is a this is a thing that has fully kind of embraced contemporary art and contemporary art has embraced it and even when we don't really think about technology or programming as being a crucial component of an artwork. You know, Peplotti's uh, Pixel Forest is just a bunch of pretty twinkling lights. But those pretty twinkling lights are on a cycle and they're doing something very specific and something is making them perform that way. Absolutely. Another place that you could look, it Just I just started thinking about
1: for artists could go to uh, the Digital uh, Media Lab program at MIT. Um, and mm-hmm. they have lots of fantastic examples of uh, this sort of merger with... Uh, computer science and art. Um, also, and as Brandon was saying, you know, most times when you walk into a museum and the the piece is interactive in some way, with sensors or uh, things like that, nine times out of ten there is some programming involved. And I promise you, that uh, that now we have programming languages, technologies that make it a lot easier, a lot. A lot more user friendly for people to jump into coming from a background that, you know, say, like I said, the art. For instance, like things like Arduino, processing, um, these are all kind of technologies you guys can look up, are all very user friendly. And so I encourage you guys to jump in there.
0: Well, and even, you know, after this event, Seth, I know you're a big advocate for artists to. Get involved in programming also because it's it can be a way to make a living, <laughs> um, especially <laughs> if you can if you especially if you can program and then also have kind of the artistic sensibility of design because doing web design and programming can be depending on how you hustle and who you work for and how you make it it can be a lucrative uh, career path. Um, but you know even just kind of training your brain to think analytically can be an interesting crucial thing and i i was interested in learning a little more about coding after this event just simply because some of the conclusions and some of the visualizations that the teams at the glass tower data hack made were so interesting and such a good way to be able to actually quantify massive amounts of things that we think about all the time you know and something that can be useful to everyone like when people are planning events or openings of course at this point many art spaces have kind of their own uh, schedules for openings and you know they have their friday or they have their saturday but you know looking at over the past however many years have more openings been on fridays or saturdays and then picking the day that has traditionally less openings to host your own art event on just basic things like that are useful generally to to everyone who's interested in maximizing anything around their events.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I wanna go back and speak to this idea that uh, you were bringing up. I, I've always felt like scientists would be better if they worked a little more like artists, you know? You know mm-hmm. as, as opposed to like having, stating a problem, working on the problem slowly, slowly adding to the evidence of that problem and then ultimately coming up with a conclusion. Now, obviously, we don't want our doctors to uh, to start acting like artists, right? <laughs> but I think like a little more creativity, a little more experimentation would be fantastic for, for our scientists. And at the same time, I think that artists could... Also, maybe work a little more systematically, and I think like when we when we have projects like this, it, it sort of forces uh, the two groups to kind of you know work in a similar manner or borrow from each other. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting thing to think about.
0: Yeah. Well, in that regard, also getting a little more now into some of the projects and the findings at the Data Hack, like one of the things that again totally makes sense and is a, a normal thing to data science or programmers or you know anything like that is the and something that I think would also, coincidentally, be very useful and interesting to artists that work and think this way are just some of the basic techniques that people used in the Glass Data Hack. For example, you know, we gave out certain sets of our data to uh, these individuals, and some people wanted more data, or they wanted different data about our website. So what they did is they Seth you may be able to explain this a little better than I can and I'll definitely want you to chime in sure sure I'll jump in but they were able to run a program that's shorthand for it as a crawler that basically goes through our website and looks at all of our web pages for certain things and you know I can think of immediately just so many artistic implications and so many artists that would want to do that on myriad websites that are on the internet
1: absolutely uh first of all i want to ca- caution our listeners we, we're not advocating for everybody out there to build uh, web crawlers please <laughs> you no. definitely when you when you when you do this you definitely want to have permissions from uh the people who run the website or you know i'm just saying you're on your own out there um, the other thing I like to say is it's not as complicated as it sounds. Like with four or five lines of, of script, I can write a, uh, a web crawler that will go to a website, follow the pages that I want it to follow, and grab certain things off the website. And it's, a, it's a, uh, something you guys can all look up. A really easy language to do it in is Python, which again is a, a programming language that's very um, beginner friendly. And doesn't have a lot of complicated syntax so yeah our users um, for various reasons at the data hack wanted more um, data than we were providing and so a lot of them did that they employed a um, web crawler and grabbed what they wanted and um, as brandon said definitely uh, i can think of uh, tons of art projects that could be built around a web crawler.
0: And I mean, similarly, one of the teams, actually the winning team at the Glass Tower Data Hack, didn't even necessarily, they didn't necessarily do what I thought the winning team was going to do, which my assumption was that the winning team would take in a bunch of outside data and incorporate it and kind of put it in a blender with the data that we provided. And then, you know, come up with some maybe kind of off the wall, oddball conclusion that no one ever thought of. However, the winning team really just used our own data from Glass Tire and found interesting ways to uh, visualize it. Of course, if you're listening to this podcast, we're going to link their winning project in the post. Uh, We also did a news item about it earlier this week, um, so we'll share the link to that also. But, you know, just basic things like the number of events per month in this is of course also the greater houston area anything in our event listings that's listed under houston so you know that includes galveston baytown all that jazz but you know finding that over the past 12 years the most events have been in march with 978 of our events happening in march versus 976 in september and there was a lot of kind of validation of things that we at Glass Tire or that we in the Houston art world thought were true. For example, the fewest events happened in August. In August, there were only 478 events. All of the conclusions that we like to make about that kind of were founded in some way, shape, or form.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I I really liked their project because it was like a a really nice way to go through all that stuff and as you mentioned, they did a really good job visualizing it, and um, it was nice. I want to jump off a little bit. So there's that st- that sort of end of it, which is like basically building reports on our data. The other thing are is, is there was this project that I thought was pretty cool, where they took um, art reviews and Twitter feed and our comments and Yelp listings, and they took that those asso- those associated with an event, an art event. So we have people writing about each about an, an art event. And then what they did was they used something called sentiment analysis, which is AI. And what it does is you feed the text into the sentiment analysis and you get out what the computer thinks is the overall opinion. Right? So think about that for a minute. The computer reads the article and tells you whether it's positive or negative. And I think that's very interesting because we were able to sort of see our version of the of the show, our opinion of the show versus the comments version, versus maybe the Yelp version of it. So that's kind of a really interesting idea, which also led me to something that I that I thought would be a pretty fun project, which is if I ever had access to a large amount of artist statements. Oh yeah. I always wanted to. I always wanted to build a. a an artist statement generator using AI. So, and I would love to pair that too with with images. So, it would like I would feed I would feed my my program the images from our show and then it would spit out a nice artist statement because as an artist everyone knows we hate writing art statements. <laughs>
0: and I would love to see what it would do. That's great. Well, and you know, one of the things that the more I thought about that sentiment analysis project that Uh, I was talking with the judges of the data hack, and that they kind of found interesting also is, was the discrepancy between the Yelp uh, or the Twitter response to a venue versus the Glass Tire response to a venue? Uh, That being Glass Tire's uh, lower sentiment (laughs) versus, you know, but that's... The example that I'm thinking of was uh, Discovery Green. You know, there was an artwork at Discovery Green. So, of course, some of the tweets or Yelp reviews of Discovery Green are going to be "It was a beautiful day at Discovery Green." Versus Glass Tire isn't ever going to say "It's a beautiful day at Discovery Green" and the art was beautiful. You know, there's there's a little bit of a language barrier when having a computer run a program like that of. When I, when I write about an art exhibition and I like it, I'm going to say that it's complex and it's challenging and it's all of these adjectives that are associated or that I associate with really good art. Um, right. Whereas sentiment analysis might say challenging, bad, complex, neutral-ish, maybe leaning towards bad. Uh, thought-provoking, neutral. But I'm never, probably in a review, I'm never going to be like, this art was beautiful and the show was really good. Brandon, maybe this would be a good idea. Maybe the next time you you, ri- you write about a show you like, maybe you should mm-hmm. say it's beautiful. What would happen? I, I, <laughs> I am not going to deny that maybe I have said some art is beautiful that I've written about because sometimes I do believe that.
1: But I think that's an interesting thing we sort of discovered just now is like, Uh,
0: maybe maybe we need to lighten up and say
1: how, you know, maybe we could could use happy language every once in a while.
0: (laughs) There is, you know, at that point, we can just put the thumbs up, thumbs down button on something and everyone can.
1: True, true.
0: (laughs) Here's another project that I thought would be pretty fun to do.
1: Uh, I would love to, so I don't know if you're aware of, but we can do predictive analysis with AI now. And so basically what that means is we feed it a large data set of something and then we get the computer to to predict like another occurrence of that. So an example would be uh, if I, I, I'm sure you guys have seen in the news like uh, programmers who have built stuff that can make like a, a certain kind of painting, right? So you feed it a bunch of Van Gogh paintings and then it can kind of spit out a, pain, a Van Gogh painting, right? So what I thought would be really fun to do is to do that per gallery. See if there's like an aesthetic that each gallery has. Now, you and I both know that there is one, right? I We can, we can kind of predict, hey, that belongs at this gallery, that belongs at that gallery, but I would love to mm-hmm. like, I'd love to write a, 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 a script that did that. And then I would love to paint those paintings and, and have a show. <laughs> I think that would be a, fun, a fun, uh, fun idea.
0: That's only if you can get that show at that gallery. Well, of course. <laughs> but listen, if the script's good, then they'll like it, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is true. That is true.
1: anyway uh
0: there was there was one last project i mean there were a lot of projects at this data hack and uh all of the teams really did a fantastic job uh but there was one more that was kind of focused on looking at making venue clusters it would almost be something around a way to organize your trip of seeing art in houston so um looking at venue clusters of walkable or relatively accessible art venues and there is maybe a little less uh, complex interactive intensive programming in this but it's something that is very much within glass tires mission and something that we kind of do in certain ways um and i think it's an interesting idea to think about and that we're definitely throwing around at glass tire a little more also So one of the things also that I liked about what they did is uh, using our data set, they culled the inactive venues. So they took out the inactive venues, which is something that, you know, if you're looking at this data set and how it relates to everything happening here and now is something that would be crucial, like not looking at the venues that haven't had an exhibition in two years. Because, you know, in that, like we mentioned earlier, maybe the random venues that, like, we had an art show at Steve's house, so Steve's house was entered as an art venue, but it's there's never going to be a show there again.
1: I thought of a case that might screw that up a little bit because sometimes you have things like shows at the station or something uh, in Houston that aren't very regular, but if one pops up, you're definitely going to go to it, you know?
0: Well, in, in that case, you know, depending on your timeline, you're not taking out something that hasn't had a show in the past... Eight months because if a venue's active, it's probably going to have had some sort of show in the past two years. So, of course, there were many other projects that happened at the Glass Tower Data Hack this past weekend. Uh, we're not going to go deep into all of them this data was very interesting for us to look at. And and looking at statewide data, because we have all of this info for art venues across Texas, uh, I think may be on the docket sometime in the future.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that would be a really good sort of big view. Um, I also like the idea of going to another region. I like maybe Dallas or something like that. Take a look at that.
0: Yeah. You know, the whole idea behind this data hack was the fact that this is something that Glass Tire that we at GlassTire would be interested in looking at if someone else were to do it, but no one else had the data set that we have. So uh, it was kind of a, a little bit of a self-starter type thing of, well, if we want to see it, we should be the change we want to see in the world. Hey, Brandon, I don't know if this is important to mention, but it also, our data set is
1: sort of specific to to GlassTire and that it's the events that have been submitted to us. So there is probably some broader, you know, broader data that we don't have. Yeah, totally. So this idea of pairing with that, so pairing with another institution would be pretty interesting because they would, they may have data that we don't have.
0: Yeah, that's totally right. And, you know, we do our best faith effort at glass tire and we cover uh, and list on our event listings, anything that people send into us that's art related and can go up. And then also we, try and list everything that people don't send into us, but that doesn't mean the data set encompasses everything, you know, trying to have or say that any sort of data set can encompass every event or every art event that happened um, in a certain region in the last period of time just isn't any claim that I think anyone could make. Yeah, And with that, we're done. Thank you, Seth, for guest hosting and being able to explain some things around data and programming that maybe Christina or myself would not have been able to. You bet, Brandon. I appreciate it. And with that, go program some art. Do it, guys. Do it.